God, our Savior, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher of faith and truth and show us how we are called to live through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from the second, well, actually, second, first and second chapters of the three chapters of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is called one of those minor prophets. That does not mean that what he said was unimportant. Now, the longest, biggest books of, the, of prophecy are Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. And those are called the major prophets. And then there are 12 shorter books said to be the minor prophets. If you're looking for them, they're at the end of the Old Testament after those major prophets. As you look for it, if you get to Malachi or Matthew, do a U-turn, you missed your exit. Now my guess is that in most places you go today, if you said Habakkuk, somebody would surely say, bless you, you got a funny sneeze. <laughs> Habakkuk's not just, it's not a name that you run into that much and this prophet's little book is not particularly well known. There are a few verses well known. For example, there's a choral call to worship that many churches use. Uh, I must have sung it hundreds of times in my childhood in different choirs and such. The 20th verse of the second chapter of Habakkuk that says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And then there's also a, a dramatic hymn that Betty will play after the service based on Habakkuk 2.14. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The first verse of that hymn is God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Now, we don't know too much about Habakkuk based on this book. It doesn't give you a lot of biography or autobiography. We know that his name is not thought to be a Hebrew name. They think, some people think it comes from an Akkadian word that means some sort of garden plant. Now, before you laugh, just think about it. Probably like me, you know somebody wonderful whose name is Fern or Rose. And perhaps you can come up with another plan. <laughs> well, this book of Habakkuk is written as a first-person, almost autobiographical dialogue between the prophet and God. Habakkuk raises questions, and the Lord responds. The three chapters of this book, they comprise a book that is shaped by powerful images of justice and injustice, confidence and doubt, salvation and judgment, God and humankind. Now, one other thing I want to mention is the first verse begins saying something about the oracle that the prophet saw. Well, that word oracle is a, it's a translation of a Hebrew word that means burden. Old Testament prophets delivered messages of judgment, 
many times, and also many times of hope, the message of judgment were a burden for those who didn't want to hear them. They were a burden for the prophets that delivered them too. Who wants to hear that kind of negative prophecy? And then when people felt so heavily burdened and did not have hope, it was a challenge to get them to listen to those prophetic messages of hope. Especially these people who were conquered and who were in exile. Well, that word oracle is a little unusual for us, but the word prophet, it's actually unusual for the Old Testament. That, that word is only used for two other books, Haggai and Zechariah, two of those other minor prophets. In fact, the preacher that married Betty Me did a long series of those, on those. He called them the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> Listen now for the word of God in Habakkuk, the first four verses of the first chapter, and then the first four verses of chapter 2. The oracle of the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. Then skipping to the second chapter, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them. But the righteous live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Well, let me mention something about those, uh, that couple of those phrases in the second chapter we read. They say, write it big, so a runner. We just had a young man join us who ran a half marathon this morning. <laughs> And, uh, and he would know well that, you know, if, if a runner is going to be able to zoom by and be able to see something, that'd be like having a billboard that if you're going 65 miles an hour, you can, the words are big enough, you can see it and read it. That's how big he's saying, write this message, write it big. Well, my question on the sermon title is, do you think God has a complaint department, a customer service office? You know, that responds to our, our gripes, our complaints. Every once in a while, I'll greet somebody at me asking, how you doing? And they'll say, oh, I can't complain. And I'll say, well, you can, but who would listen? <laughs> I say that based on unhappy experience. For example, Betty and I use our grocery store's handy feature that prints out a shopping list. 
In the old days, they printed it out in the order you went through the grocery store. That's cool. For a long time, it was great, but then they, they improved on it. They made all kinds of changes. So I told the customer service folks at the store, and they said, nobody listens to us. You need to write corporate. A customer doing that, that'll make a difference. So I wrote corporate, and then I waited and waited. Weeks later, they finally sent me a note saying, we have a brand new website and doing this, and this is wonderful, you should take a look. They didn't even read my letter. Because <laughs> I had written them exactly the things that I thought were wrong with it, and that how easily it could be fixed, but they didn't care. Well, that doesn't just happen at stores. Over and over, I've told our presbytery in writing what they need to do to make Presbyterian meetings accessible for people who have vision problems. And I'm not the only one there. You can go to Presbyterian and look around and tell there are a number of people who have some limits on their vision. Who are they? And the response, I'm still waiting. <laughs> Hadn't happened yet. Well, surely you have informed some store, some institution, some friend, some family member, somebody of a problem, a concern, a complaint, and you're still waiting, waiting, waiting for a response. Well, in the first two chapters of Habakkuk, the prophet voices his complaints, and God responds. Well, consider the complaints. Lord, how long am I going to cry? For help, and you don't listen. I cry violence, and you don't say. Why do you make me see all this wrongdoing? Strife, contention, arise. The law gets messed up. Justice never prevails. It's a case of, you know, the wicked, the wicked thrive, and the righteous seem to have a hard time, right? Well, the prophet's complaint, if you think about it, it's similar to what Job complained about. Job had said, God has put me in the wrong and closed his net around me even when I cry violence. I'm not answered. I cry aloud. But there is no justice. Well, for that matter, if you look at Psalm 13, just the first verse. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long? Must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Haven't you found yourself wondering, if not praying, how long, how long shall evil, evil prosper? The problem is no one knows the answer to that question. Our job, our task, our challenge is to keep the faith. One reason this short book of prophecy is important is that the Apostle Paul built his whole idea, his concept of justification by faith on the last part of the last verse we read. In fact, he quotes that in the first chapter of Romans when he wrote, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're all Greeks, you know. For in the righteousness of God is revealed through faith. For faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by 
faith. And Paul quotes Habakkuk again in the third chapter of Galatians when he writes, It is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the one who is righteous will live by faith. While we're living by faith, like Habakkuk, we can, we can find ourselves waiting, 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 waiting for a response. Now, because I don't drive, and for other reasons, sometimes, well, I often find myself waiting. We won't name any names. <laughs> I find myself waiting. So I, so often I've devised a little strategy that works for me. First, I decide how long I'm going to wait. Now, that varies with the situation. I'll wait a lot longer for Betty or Sarah or Paul than I would ever wait for any cab or Uber ride or somebody else. Second, I plan on what am I going to do at the end of that time. If I'm waiting 20 minutes, what am I going to do next? I usually try to pick something fun, <laughs> something I look forward to, right? Well, sometimes it's practicality, you know, if you're waiting for a cab that never came to the dentist office, you might just walk home. I've done that. Uh, the third thing I do, I decide what to do in the meantime. Well, uh, there was one fellow I used to have to wait for often who was late and we were going off to a facility up at Butner and uh, I'd wait and wait and wait and, that, and I finally developed a strategy. I had plants hanging in my dining room at that time towards the street and I'd walk up to the dining room, I'd pick up a plant and I'd carry it to the sink and I'd water it. And I'd come back and look at it again. So it gave me something to do while I walked back and forth looking. Is it here yet? Is it here yet? We need to go. You see, the problem, the problem with waiting is every one of us likes to be in control of ourselves and our own, own time. But waiting, waiting is put somebody else in charge of you and your time. So my strategy gives me back a little bit of control at least, or at least the illusion of control. Ah, but here's the rub. When we have complaints like Habakkuk, you can't really do my first two steps, can you? We can't set a time limit now. Lord, I'll give you 20 minutes before you answer my prayer. No, that doesn't work. Or 20 years even, doesn't work. So it doesn't, so it doesn't even help to say, well, at the end of that time, what I'm gonna do? I'm going to join another church or whatever. <laughs> that doesn't work out so well. But the third step, decide what to do in the meantime, that we can do. When destruction and violence are before us, when strife and contention arise, when the law gets slack, justice doesn't prevail, when we feel like the wicked are surrounding the righteous, when all that happens, we can't set deadlines, we can only wait. And we can decide what to do in the meantime. In the meantime, as we wait, we can decide, for example, to live with gratitude, you know, following after the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to love God with heart and soul and mind and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. As we are waiting, we can decide how to live that way right here, right now. 
Habakkuk's book ends with a prayer. I'll read a little part of it. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though no, the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength, and makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and makes me tread upon the heights. In other words, when things look bad, when the prognosis is poor, when the outlook is awful, when the evil prosper and the righteous struggle, when everyone seems to have deserted you, when your ship seems to be sinking, remember that God is our strength and God is our salvation. Thanks be to God. Now may the grace of Christ surround you. The love of God uphold you and the Holy Spirit spark in you an unquenchable fire as you wait and work for the kingdom to come. Amen.